0: What's going on Dolphins fans Kyle Krabs your host here on locked on Dolphins you know the deal it's power to the pod anything and everything that you want to talk about about your 2-0 Miami Dolphins we're talking about it here today on the show it's the mailbag episode we do it every week so let's go ahead and dive right in here today on locked on Dolphins you are locked on Dolphins your daily Miami Dolphins podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it here on the Locked On Network. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash on NFL. It's the mailbag episode. Uh, we have a phenomenal week this week, by the way. Uh, we have uh, today's Power to the Pod. We obviously had Game Reaction Victory Monday, All-22 film review on Tuesday, Power to the Pod today, tomorrow is Crossover Thursday, and also bonus episode meeting up with Joe Rose, so you're getting two episodes tomorrow, uh, and you are going to get two episodes on Friday. You are getting seven episodes of Locked on Dolphins this week, Monday through Friday, so plan accordingly. There's a lot of content coming, and why is there a lot of content coming? Well, it's because of all of you. I want to thank all of you. Locked on Dolphins is off to the hottest start to a week in the history of the show. Monday was our most downloads we've ever logged. And the excitement about this team is palpable. You can feel it. You can feel it on social. And uh, we will, of, of course, talk about the dynamics of the game that looms this weekend at Hard Rock Stadium. We will not do that unless it comes up in Power of the Pod because you guys are talking about what we want to talk about today. But uh, we will be doing that extensively the rest of the way. Um, let's go ahead and dive in. Let's jump right into Power to the Pod. All the things that you want to talk about, we have them flagged. We have some reviews from last week that were left before the Baltimore game. Um, we also have reviews with questions from after the Baltimore game. So we, we've got a, a good palette to choose from here. The first one that I wanted to uh, acknowledge comes... From and this is what I get for scrolling. I'm gonna start at the top. <laughs> Halvosa, I've learned more from about football listening to Kyle every day than I have a fan for fifty plus. Years. Oh my goodness, James, thank you so much. It's a great question. It's a phenomenal or it's a it's a phenomenal compliment that you've paid me. Uh Kyle seems like we aren't getting pressures and sacks at the same pace as last year is it coaching talent or simply sample size also what's with X you never see him get beat like Bateman beat him has he lost a step loyal listener James Um yeah I know I went on WQAM this morning and was asked about the pass rush and and what's there and what's not there and the Dolphins talents too good Uh I understand the uh the the lack of volume for your pressures, I also don't think the Dolphins are true zeroing right now at the same rate that they are. And why would that be? Well, you know, to run zero aggressively and assertively like the Dolphins have in years past, you got to trust your corners to play on islands. And so I'm I'm curious how much of the absence of Byron Jones at least contributes to Miami's lack of appetite to really play double birds football and say, hey, we're we're coming. So strap up. Uh, they haven't haven't brought too much of that at this point. Um, I also think there there are bright flashes. You know, I, I mentioned Jalen Phillips yesterday as a player who everybody's looking at the box score and is concerned about. But you see the wins on tape. That's either there's not complimentary rush around him. So he gets off his spot or the quarterback gets off his spot and you can't finish a play or, you draw a penalty and they don't call a penalty. Oh, pressure, pressure and and effective pass rush has to complement itself. And, and I think the sample size is the biggest thing that, like, I'm not pushing the panic button yet. But we all know, like this weekend for the game that you're gonna have to play, you're gonna have to go out and you're gonna have to be more effective pressuring the quarterback than what you have been in the first two weeks. That's a big hurdle for the Dolphins. As far as Xavier Howard, um, look, Z- Rashad Bateman, give him credit, he ran two phenomenal routes. Uh, the the first route was uh, kind of a, it was an outbreaking pattern where he stemmed it really well and manufactured a large throwing window and snapped it off the top. And well, Bateman, second fastest GPS time last week for all NFL players uh, on that catch and run, that 75-yard touchdown reception. It's a really nice route. It's a really nice route against press and, and X didn't get hands on. Um, I don't think that he's necessarily lost a step. I think you tip the cap, you give credit where credit's due. You understand the middle of the field was open. And uh, I bet if Xavian had that rep to do over again, he probably would have got hands on Rashad Bateman and, and forced him off of his route stem a little bit more assertively than what he did. You know, X kind of opened the hips to the perimeter. I thought maybe a little prematurely, um, and if he's going to come back across you like that, you know, you'd, you'd like to be a little bit more square so you can either flash and react or you know be a little bit more assertive and, and handsy. And you saw that with uh, Darius Slay versus Justin Jefferson on Monday Night Football. Slay had a lot of success defending uh, Justin Jefferson because he was able to get hands on Jefferson and play physical, right? And so I think that that's something that on that individual rep, X didn't get hands on. Uh, sometimes you get the bear and sometimes the bear gets you. Uh, Eddie. Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> I was going to try to say your username and uh, he, he smelled it coming a mile away. Apparently uh, I'm getting quite predictable here in year three with, with Lockdown Dolphins uh, and said, my name is Eddie. If it makes it easier, not really a question, but an observation this week's game was amazing. And I wanted to shout out Alec Ingold two in the receivers are getting most of the press, but Ingold, needs some attention. He seemed like he was out in front of every big play throwing blocks and helping spring the playmakers. I feel like he was the most underrated signing that we made this offseason. And in this offense, he is pivotal, and we are lucky to have him. I hope McDaniel gets him a, some TD runs to pay him back for sacrificing himself all game long. Talk soon. You are absolutely right. And I remember going down to camp, and I wrote this story for Draft Network. Uh, I think it was the second day I was at camp. And Ingle was still in a red practice, like, non-contact jersey. And I'm watching Ingold and all the ways that they're using him and knowing this offense and how the 49ers weaponized Kyle Juszczyk. And it's like, the writing's on the wall, man. Like, this this guy is going to be an impact player for the Dolphins. And you're absolutely right. He is, the, the, the way that they will come out in two back sets and line him up at H-back, line him up fullback, line him up in the backfield, line him up on the outside, run tunnel screens, like, it's really, really fun uh, to see all the ways he pops up, and you are absolutely right. He is downfield springing some dudes for explosive plays. And Alec Ingold, an unsung hero, but in the same way that Mac Hollins last year was kind of like the folklore hero of the Dolphins offense, I, I hope Alec Ingold secures that status with Dolphins fans. Just just watch him. Just watch him. You know? and, and odds are the, you'll catch on to the ball pretty quickly because the ball is going to fall in line behind him and and help make some stuff happen waffle Derek was definitely discussed this offseason but having a player like tyree kill on your roster buys you one win just him alone isn't it a beautiful thing that we already got that game in week two on the road crazy feeling different about this season feeling different about this season i want to agree with you Derek. I think this weekend's this weekend's game is going to tell you just how different this year's going to be. And um you could tell obviously with the the enthusiasm around the team from the fan base, the way the team won on Sunday, like there's a lot there's a lot of people that are ready for things to be different this season. I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, I don't want to get too much into my calendar for the rest of the week uh, prematurely here. Before we go any further, I'm to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn. As you gear up this fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 Million people then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the right candidates with the right skills, right experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our next one comes from JT. And he's already talking my language. He's talking about victory cigars. Hope you enjoyed that cigar on this last victory. Now that Tua has had his breakout game, my question is this. Tua just threw almost half of his season total in TDs from last year in one game, and Hill and Waddle seem unstoppable. If the game came down to it, would you trust the defense to make a stand or the offense to go down and score? It's obviously been the defense over the past few seasons, but I feel that Tua has shown the offense can be something to be dealt with. Thanks for the content and good vibes. Can you ask me this question again in three weeks? Serious. the sample size right now, it's one-on-one, right, for, for this iteration of the team. You have Buffalo, Cincinnati, and the New York Jets. I feel like I can answer this question with, with firm confidence in three weeks. Right now, it's, it's really hard to say. Uh, I thought Miami, in stretches of both games, moved the ball very, very, very well. I thought the defense buckled down very, very well. You gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown, 103 yards, 79-yard touchdown run to an NFL MVP candidate, Lamar Jackson, who at 230 pounds is still running like 4-4-something, the 40-yard dash. And a catch and run against zero coverage um, from Rashad Bateman, who logged the second-fastest GPS time in the league last week. I don't think we should overlook the two fourth down stops that the Dolphins defense made against Baltimore. I mean, you talk about critical swings, right? And if you guys didn't, check, didn't catch Draft Dudes, which is the podcast that I do with Joe Marino, who will be, he's the co-host of Locked on Bills, unfortunately. Uh, we're doing a crossover show for tomorrow. Uh, but we do Draft Dudes together for Draft Network. And we are best friends. We have nothing in common other than a love of football, and we even went so far as to choose the ultimate opposite teams to root for as our favorite team. Uh, but I went on yesterday, and Tuesdays we have a segment called Check the Tape. And I shouted out Zach Sealer as, I think, potentially a top 15, top 12, top 10 run, interior run defender in the NFL. Go back to 2020, Arizona Cardinals game. Last year, first two weeks already. Bunch of stuffs, bunch of penetration that bogged up plays and allowed the Dolphins to get off the field. Um, those two turnovers on downs win you this football game. So, yes, the explosive plays gotta get cleaned up. There were no explosive plays against New England. We're gonna have our hands full this week and next week. Or I guess twice in five days, because you're playing on Thursday. So, uh Right now, I'd still probably say defense, but give me another three, give me another three games, so give me another three weeks. I can answer this with a uh, little bit more confidence. MK, Finns for the freaking win again. Love the podcast. Greatest game I've seen in years. What an adjustment from Coach McDaniel. Can you break down what the biggest change that took place in the second half was that helped us secure the amazing comeback win? Um. I think there's there, there was a great point on this that was made by Tim Jenkins, um, which if you don't know Tim Jenkins, Tim Jenkins, former quarterback, does film studies, has his own quarterback academy. He's awesome guy. Awesome guy. And every Tuesday on his YouTube channel, he does uh, to a Tuesday. He, he does the to a game tape. And he talked about the first interception that the Dolphins threw uh, the deep comeback to Tyreek Hill, deep hook to Tyreek Hill and how that play was made in large part because Marcus Williams, the safety who made the interception kind of squatted on the vertical stem from Tyreek Hill. And he said, if I'm a coach, I am making a note. He said it, it, in a roundabout way, the interception was the best thing that could have happened in the Dolphins because it gave them the tell. It gave them the card and say, okay, The safeties, even when they have deep responsibility, are going to squat on Tyreek. They are not going to bail out of there unless they are lined up out there. So if you're at 12, 15 yards of depth, they're not going to turn and bail to 25. They're going to stay at 15 to 18. And if that's the case, you can anticipate letting one go. And you saw that twice. The second one was a straight up coverage bust. It is what it is. But the first one, the Ravens brought a fire zone blitz where they brought backers from Tua's front side. So Tua, as he gets to the top of his drop, and I'm doing it left handed in person, it looks like a, I think it looks like I'm doing it right handed. Forget it. The top of his drop, he fades away from the pressure and anticipates the throw and throws it downfield, and they run right by. And the safety, is nosy. He's not respecting the vertical speed of Tyree Kill, and he runs right past um, Marcus Peters. So I think that that note and Tim Jenkins pointed it out is a great one, and it's a good example of things happen early in games, and you earmark it, and then you come back to it, and it paid big big dividends for the Dolphins. Uh, Mike from Denmark wrote my question at halftime. it to, to answers it now. Here's the thing: when you leave reviews. It updates, so the only history of your question submission right now in the archives is "Wow, wrote my question at halftime." Tua answers it, and so I will never know what your question was, Mike, unless you come clean. I don't know. I'll let you. I'll let you decide if you want to come clean next time you submit a show, but it's or a show question. But it's always great to hear from you, Mike. Hope you're doing well. Uh, power to the pod, and this came on the. 15th and it is in regards to Skylar Thompson great let's talk about this this is obviously uh, a little dated because it came before the Baltimore game but still an important thing for us to to touch base on um need your help to talk to our Finns fans out of this take that Skylar should be the QB1 uh, I know, I know an optimistic take would be an understatement for the year. First time head coach, GM, who by most accounts is on the hot seat. that This is not a successful season. An owner who has broken rules. Uh, I understand Skyler was impressive in preseason, but that's against vanilla defenses with DBs that are currently on practice. Squads are selling insurance. Man, Insurance salesman catching bodies. Today on the show, the hate for two is so strong. Fans are obnoxiously clamoring for QB three to take the reins after a win, referencing the week one win against the uh new england patriots kyle p- help these souls for poor with their poorly constructed hot takes uh, i'm gonna be honest i don't see a lot of this uh, i know social media is a platform that you can just drop a thought right any thought that comes in you can write it out and hit enter and life will go on and I I have kind of tried to stay focused on my own process of evaluating the team because I know there's people out there who don't like Chris Greer. I know there's people out there who um, don't like Tua Tagovailoa. I know there's people out there that who don't like Jalen Phillips. Um, and I I try not to get too rolled into the Converse, the weekly conversation pieces, right? And, and it certainly would seem as though this week has eased that. And it's good to know that 469 and six touchdowns is the bar for us to clear for everybody to be on the same page. Say, hey, that was a good game <laughs> for your quarterback. Uh, but as far as Scholar Thompson goes in general, yes, he's extremely rough around the edges. There, there are a lot of nuanced things that running an offense, you, you have to be capable of doing. And there's a lot of pre-snap recognition and disguises that he hasn't even been exposed to yet. Like I'm kind of in the boat that we should all just be on the same page and applaud the coaching staff of the front office for, in everybody's opinion, getting it right and keeping Scholar on the 53. Cause the team kept two last year. They didn't do that last year. That to me is a win. Like, let's just take that for what it is. And again, Sample sizes are small, and I understand like as this unfolds, you're gonna have reactions to every week but i gotta i gotta at least be willing to let stuff play out right i, I gotta i so I try to stay out of the rat race in that regard um not that that may or may not help anybody feel <laughs> feel better about kind of the discourse with Tua Tungavaloa or Jalen Phillips or anything else. But um strong performance from Tua Tungavalow in the second half. And I thought the first half other than you know, quite frankly, other than the second interception, I thought it was a pretty strong performance in the first half, too. It was just obviously the unfortunate ambitious throw. There was an easier throw out there on the field to make. It's not like we're one hop and a bunch of throws or anything like that. And I saw incremental progress for Tua and some of the other areas of his game, Uh, the, the, the timing, you know, these intermediate drive throws where you got to really put a lot of velocity on the throw, like dagger concepts, the over uh, to Mike Gusecki that wrapped around that kind of rat in the hole defender in the middle of the field against man coverage. It was one uh, cover one rat or or cover one robber, whatever you want to call it Um, or Patrick queen. Kind of sits right in the middle of the field and wants to clean anything up. And Mike Kosecki runs the route with the defender on his hip, right around it, and two with really good anticipation, put it just out of the outstretched hands and and into the the hands of Mike Kosecki. Those kinds of throws, like when those aren't good for two, when the ball kind of dies on him a little bit, like it did that dagger concept against New England, and Tyree Kill couldn't dig it out, went low and tried to scoop that throw. That was an example for me of improvement because that's a timing throw, believe it or not. This offense is very much predicated on rhythm and timing, but not just from the how the routes complement each other, but also how the quarterback's drop gets him ready to throw when he needs to throw. You are marrying the depth of your drop with the primary target on the concept. So if you're going to run dagger, you know, we need five and a hitch, right? And if you're going to run that, you need to be into the hitch when you're ready to drive the throw with your feet in the ground, aligned at the target. And I thought against New England, a couple of those intermediate drive throws were not, the drop was not on time. And therefore we had to hurry the process to throw. We couldn't get everything into the throw. Before we go any further, i got to tell you about our friends over at Bet BetOnline. BetOnline is the number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more, more, to learn more about the trends and action Online where the game starts nobody will confuse me for the guy at the end of the commercials that sit here and quickly read through all the fine print terms and conditions applied. Da, 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 da. so sorry need another need another hit on caffeine before i get get there <laughs> um question from or review from dan Kyle, you are living every fan's dream. I enjoy your knowledge and opinions on the team we cheer for. Hearing about your game day experiences is something every fan should be jealous of. I love the fact that there is no off-season with your work with the Draft Network. Dan, thank you for following, Dan. And I am incredibly blessed. And I think the thing that I'm most thankful for is getting to go to some of these events, some of these games, and the people you meet along the way who are all, like we're all in the same boat, right? We're all hungry for the Dolphins to... Bring back the standard for this organization that was set before a lot of us were even around. I was born in '89. I wasn't even conscious to the game of football until what '91. Marino gets the big contract, right? I don't have avid football memories until probably '95, '96, '97. Oh, I'm six, six, seven, eight years old. What I have known to be the Dolphins is not the Dolphins of this guy, Dan Marino, or these guys, the 17-0 and 0 team, but yet we all avidly love them, whether we've been rooting for them for three years, 10 years, 12 years, 30 years, 50 years or more, and kind of seeing everybody from all different backgrounds who comes together on that stuff is, is just a, an amazing affirmation that this fan base is so incredibly underrated. And we're all hungry for it. And when the Dolphins deliver, whether that's hopefully this year, the kind of year that we think that they're capable of having, it's going to be so gratifying to so many people. And I can't wait for it. Uh, Gator Lawyer. Season ticket holder since 79. Local sports talk radio guys are great. With a 40-minute drive to work, I don't have 20, time for 20 minutes of commercials. Kyle's insight is spot on and has made game watching more enjoyable. Bless you. Uh, let me know. I think I, I'm going to be in town for either Minnesota and Pittsburgh or just Pittsburgh. So Gator Lawyer, if you have any way to reach out, I would cordially invite you to do so. Um, Alaska fin Fan, This was left on the 13th. So this was, was left a little over a week ago. Question. I'm cautiously optimistic about our quarterback play. In your opinion, is the awareness of pressure, particularly when in the grasp of a defender coachable? Is it one of the downsides? It is one of the downsides that concerns me most. Hope it is not just a part of the player's DNA, so to speak. Um, yeah, I I think there's there's a discipline component to this. And I will say this for Tua, too. Like, obviously, Tua got great protection against Baltimore. Um But the sack rate for Tua Tonga-Valoa continues to trend in the right direction. Make sure you can hear me pounding on the keys so you know I'm not just sitting here farting around. Uh, Tua Tonga-Valoa this season has been sacked four times in two games, three against the Patriots, once against Baltimore. His sack rate is 4.6% this season on 83 pass attempts. Okay, it's pretty good. Uh, His sack rate as a rookie was 6.5 his sack rate in 2021 was 4.9 and his sack rate through two games this year is 4.6 obviously a lot more explosive plays um much more efficient as far as raw production numbers versus no, per, per, per attempt you know his adjusted net yards per attempt is 8.66 in two games uh in the previous two years it was 5.4 and 5.81 so nearly three yards Per attempt, more for Tua through two games than what he was able to produce through, through his first two seasons. Um, I say all that to say this. I think if you look across the league, and Joe Marino, who I'm going to name drop him again, um, did, did a study on Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow, you know, the, the conversation around the 0 2 Bengals right now is oh my goodness, the, the Bengals spent all of this money on the offensive line and the offensive line is still broken. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily true because, you know, Joe Burrow, he's talked about his aggressiveness as a passer. He talked quite a bit about being more ready to take a sack than he is to throw the ball away and live another down uh, because he doesn't want to concede the play. Well, Joe Burrow's sack rate across three seasons, start of the third season now, Uh, 32 sacks on 404 pass attempts in 10 games. So he threw the ball 40 times a game as a rookie in Cincinnati. Uh, His sack rate was 7.3%. Reminder, Tua uh, right now is right around 4.5. Sack rate for Joe Burrow in 2021, 8.9%. Sack rate through two games this year, 12.7%. And with Joe, yeah, you know, you're taking some L's up front, but you are also not executing and operating the offense. So for a player like Tom Brady, who historically has been incredibly difficult to sack, why is that the case? Well, it's because Tom Brady understands the structure of the play, and one of his best qualities is avoiding negative plays by making sure if we're hot or if we bust protection, I quickly identify it and get the ball down to my back and avoid a negative play. So it's just continuing to coach, covet, avoid negative plays, avoid negative plays, avoid negative plays. And how do you get there? Well, I can try to extend and make a big play. Or if it's, oh my God, they're bearing down on me, preempt and get to your back, right? And I think that's the thing for two. And now I will give two a credit for this. Uh, The Ravens rolled down a four-week pressure and brought Patrick Queen and Kyle Hamilton up the A-gap against the Dolphins on the opening or early in the game-winning drive late in the game. And this was a play where the Dolphins were hot. They did not have the bodies to block the blitz. Chase Edmonds steps up and he takes Kyle Hamilton, who's roaring down from the third level. And Patrick Queen is running free. And this is the throw to Tyreek that Tua quickly understands I am seeing pressure. I am hot. There is a defender who is coming directly into my face. But I know where my receivers are, I know where my space is, I know that they ran cover one. And I know the free safety is 30 yards deep, right? Because now we forced them to respect this. So now the spacing's there. It's cover one. They brought every middle of the field defender on the blitz. I've got all this space. So I am just going to throw because I'm hot and avoid that. And that was a great play from Tua to encapsulate avoiding those situations. And if you're in the grasp, just go down especially when you're winning by two touchdowns, which was the case in week one against the Patriots. So uh, I I hope that answers your question, uh, Alaska. Uh, Shout out, Danny. Shout out, Marty. Shout out, Blaze. Um, Questions that I think are just... No, they were, they were left on the 13th, so they didn't get into the queue for the last time we did the show. I want to acknowledge you guys and, and shout you guys out for leaving reviews on the show. Um, but if they're... Obviously, there's there's more Tua questions in here. There's uh, a couple Tyreek Hill plays against New England. Uh, just two and Tyreek not being on the same page. Um, but Igons is the one that I want to finish with. You host multiple podcast I listen every day. Love the insight you provide. Thank you. Based on the week one action, which game moving forward would you pick the Dolphins to win in a survivor pool? What's your confidence percentage? Dial in on that Houston Texans game. That would be my advice. The Houston Texans are still one of the teams that are expected to be amongst the worst in football. Now you want to make an argument for the Chicago bears. You can do that, but that's also a road game versus Houston's at home. So if you're going to, if you want to save the Dolphins in a confidence pool, survivor pool, Dolphins coming out of the bye to play the Houston Texans. And we've seen this as a coaching staff that schemes stuff up pretty good. That's the one I'd lock in. I hope you guys keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Reminder, you got four more episodes this week. You got Crossover. You got Joe Rose. You got, two on Friday, one of which will be constructing a game plan to try to defeat the Buffalo Bills, who uh, railroaded each one of their first two opponents. So Miami, you got a stiff test ahead of you. We're going to talk about what that looks like for the Dolphins. So hit subscribe, follow along. Kyle Krabs, thanks for checking out the show. Make it a great rest of your Wednesday. Talk to you all again tomorrow.